the I didn't realize you liked me that way deal. Because it's one thing to receive McDonald's, but an entirely other thing to know that they woke up early to face the world and bring you McDonald's breakfast still hot in the bag. Appreciate you. There's a deal for every morning. Now grab two loaded sausage burritos for only three bucks. Prices and participation may vary. Single item at regular price. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. The future will be amazing. And that's all well and good. But what about today? You can feel the rush of a 400 horsepower Nissan Z. Or climb to new heights in the all-terrain Nissan Frontier. Light up the road in the all-electric Nissan Aria that feels like a sci-fi dream come true. The future will be great, but today is made for thrill. All you have to do is get in a Nissan and drive. 2023 Aria and Z not yet available for purchase. Expected availability is this spring for 2023 Z and this fall for 2023 Aria. All right, it's your boy Joshua City back up in this thing. Sunday, June 30th. This is also the birthday of my main man, Iron Mike Tyson. Shout out to him. Think about the namesake, 86boxing.com. Don't think too hard, though. If it went over your head, it went over your head. It is what it is. But we're back with 86 Boxing Podcast. You know what it is. Episode 9, Reloaded. Be sure to check out the Spreaker. And you can get all the episodes that we've done over this year leading back to when we established this 86 boxing thing shout out to all my people out there shout out to demond nicholson get well man do your thing ready to see you back in the ring uh anyway we'll just jump straight into it you know it was a big week of action this past weekend a lot of boxing a lot of stuff went down friday june 28th it was top rank on espn temecula california of course richard comey took on Ray Beltron, and this was for the IBF World Lightweight title. This was Comey's first defense after his dominant victory in February over Isa Chaniev. I think I got that right, you know, from the South, so you gotta speak it out, speak it. Anyway, Beltron failed to make weight in this fight. I believe he was like 1.6 pounds over, and at the age of 38, it's harder and harder for him to get down to that 135 pound limit. Even after the fight, he mentioned of moving up. Now, Comey, he ended up winning this fight with the TKO in the eighth round. This was after it was a very good action-packed fight. It looked like it would be over in the first round because Comey was able to drop Beltron twice in that round. And Beltron looked a little bit out of it. So he has a tough chin. He's, he's a durable fighter. And he hung on, you know. He, he knows how to do what he needs to do to be able to convince the ref that, hey, he's still good up in that thing. Now, this wasn't without Komei, though, taking shots of his own because Komei left himself pretty wide open in some regards because he was going for that knockout. So he got hurt in the round himself. Uh, and I think that's primarily the reason that Beltran was able to hold on and withstand because that second knockdown came at the came towards the end of the round and Beltran was able to hang in there. Now, as I mentioned, this was a good action-packed fight. Um, the referee ultimately stopped it because he didn't like what he saw with Beltran there in the eighth. But leading up to that, Beltran had his moments. He, he was rocking Comey with some shots throughout the fight. 
Now, Komei was probably more on the offensive. There were some points in which both fighters probably were a little bit gassed because there were a lot of punches thrown leading up to what was ultimately that final eighth round. Uh, Komei, he showed that he does have power. He showed that he can get his offense off. Now, on the defensive side, he definitely is susceptible to getting hit. And if he doesn't get you out of there early, then it's a likelihood that a uh, top-level, top-caliber fighter outside of the likes of Beltran, a more offensive fighter, would have likely taken Komei out because he was eating some shots as well. And that is what I mentioned. Now, Komei, his eye, his right eye was swollen, almost swollen shut for the most part, which showed that even though you could say that he was dominant at times, Beltron was able to do good work of his own. Now, Beltron, after the fight, mentioned that he would likely move up to 140, but he's going to talk with his team because retirement could be in tow as well. We'll see. Now, for Richard Comey, there was a fighter in attendance, Teofimo Lopez, the young 135-pound phenom. Now, it's going to be likely that that is going to be the next fight for Richard Comey. It will be later in the year, but I must add that Teofimo Lopez has a fight coming up in July, so he has to get past his opponent in that fight first, and we don't like to look ahead and to look past opponents because you never know what can happen in the sport of boxing. But if all goes well, Teofimo Lopez will get his first shot at a world title against Richard Comey. And if you've seen Teofimo Lopez, and if you've seen Richard Comey, then you're thinking the same thing that I'm thinking, that that is a very, very winnable fight for Teofimo Lopez. I think he will be super explosive. And on the defensive front, with his head movement, so on and so forth, his good footwork, I don't think Komei will be able to get in and land the type of shots he could land on more uh, stagnant, more sort of cement foot, or guys with more sort of like uh, cement in their feet. Um, I just think it'll be probably a coming out party for Teofimo Lopez. And as I said, can't look ahead because he does have a fight coming up. But if this goes down, I think it will be a very good action-packed fight for as long as it lasts, but I don't think it will go the distance. I think it will be inside of six rounds, and I think Teofimo Lopez will arrive in a major way, and then from there, the likelihood is that the winner of that fight, Komei Lopez, could take on the winner of Lomachenko versus Luke Kuhans Campbell. That fight is going to be taking place here shortly, I think in a couple of months. Now, that was a fight that was ordered and I favor Lomachenko in that fight. But that's for another day. In the meantime, Richard Comey did what he had to do, came in, got the win, defended his title, representing Ghana. So big props to you. Continue to move forward, heel, and let's see you get in there with Teofimo Lopez, likely, here later in the year. Now, another fight on that card I just want to mention was Carlos Adames taking on Patrick Day. This was a super welterweight fight, and it ended up being you know, a fairly decent fight. It was a lot of people's first chance to see Adamez as well as Patrick Day for the most part. And Adamez is a Dominican fighter. He has sort of a low punch output, but he's built like a brick house for the most part. He's, he's stacked, and he's, he's very powerful at 154 pounds. 
He almost ended it in the 10th round. He was close to getting a stoppage, but it was in the reigning seconds of the 10th round when he was really teeing off on Day. And Day showed a lot of movement throughout the fight, but ultimately he wasn't able to do enough offensively to sway the judges in his favor. And the bigger moments, bigger shots that were ultimately landed were landed by Adam as he's a yeah, Dominican fighter, as I mentioned. And so he picked up a 10th round unanimous decision. Now, it's interesting because we'll see where he goes from here. 154 is a pretty stacked division. You have the likes of the uh, Jermail uh, Charlo, Julian Williams, so on and so forth. Um, Harrison Lubin, that might actually be a good fight for him. Uh, Lubin says he wants a top 10 fighter, uh, but Lubin versus, say, a dumbass. Hmm, if that can happen. But anyway, it'll be interesting to see how he does moving forward at 154 as he continues to step up the competition. But that was a fight worth mentioning, and I will move on. Speaking of Lubin, which I'll get to, he was on the Saturday, June 29th card, which was on Showtime. PBC, as you know, it was a Houston return. The first time, I guess, in seven years that Jamal Charlo had fought in Houston. And, of course, this time he was coming in as the WBC World Middleweight Champion. Now, he was taking on the likes of Brandon Adams. If you know Brandon Adams, you probably know him from the Contender Series. He was able to win the version of the Contender Series that took place in 2018, ultimately becoming the contender. He defeated Shane Mosley's son. And forgive me, I can't even remember his first name, but I know he's Shane Mosley's son. Uh, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing for the likes of uh, where he stands in the sport. But anyway, he was able to pretty much dominate Shane Mosley's son in that contender finals. Now, this fight, as I mentioned, was for the WBC World Middleweight title. Now, I will say this. There was some craziness that went down over this past week or whatnot where Canelo Alvarez was elevated to a franchise champion, which for all intents and purposes is some new form of a championship that the WBC has created. And therefore, Jamel Charlo became the WBC World um, middleweight champion for the most part um, I know those sanctioning bodies they do a lot of crazy things a lot of alphabet belts out there of course it ultimately comes down to sanctioning fees the more belts they have the more fees they can collect they can collect and of course the longer they'll be around now for whatever it for whatever it works it's worth it, pardon this was a championship fight so there I'll leave that there definitely look into that if you want some chuckles check out uh teddy atlas's tweet in this regard anyway this fight was a unanimous decision victory for jamal charlo and it was a really dominant victory for him in some regards though it wasn't necessarily a very uh eye-opening or eye-catching fight uh, in many facets either because there were it was a clash of an awkward style, that being Brandon Adams, who was the shorter fighter. Charlo's six foot, Adams is five eight, and Adams he's a very very conservative fighter as far as his punch output. I think the seventh round was probably his best round, and one of the only rounds where he 
you could actually legitimately say he won the round. Now, for some reason, I gave him three rounds. I gave him the first. I thought he did a little bit more with the jabs to the body. I gave him that seventh, and I gave him one of the other later rounds. Uh, I might have been generous. I had to sort of look back. Definitely not the intent of uh, just giving him a round, but ultimately it was more dominant in terms of what the judges actually had saw in favor of uh, Jermall Charlo. Now, as I mentioned, it was dominant for him, but it was very awkward. There was a lot of tying up, especially early on, and that's primarily because Charlo was kind of, he had to aim downwards sort of to get his shots off. And he typically works behind a strong jab, which is probably his, his one of his best punches, if not his best punch alongside the right uppercut. Um, but with the way that Adams moves and he has sort of an awkward style at moments and he does a lot of bending and sort of ducking forward, he wasn't able to get off very clean punches, definitely not in bunches. He had moments where he did land some hard stuff, but from a combination perspective, Charlo didn't have a ton of success. But on the flip side, Brandon Adams didn't nearly throw enough punches to even be considered the winner of the fight or even fully competitive in most regards. Now, I said going into the fight that Adams is a, Adams was a live dog. He proved that he, he definitely is and definitely was a live dog in the fight. But he did not do enough overall. And at moments, it looked as though he was just in there to survive. And I think that ultimately was his downfall. Now, for Charlo in the fight, he actually... Uh, hurt his left hand. I think in the post-fight interview, he mentioned this happened in the uh, third, second or third round. He was able to fight through and he said that that was one of the reasons why you didn't see him getting off his jab the way we typically have seen him. Uh, and I'm sure that that probably was the case. Now, he'll have to heal up in that regard. He was excited about being the champion um, and where he goes from here, it'll be interesting to see. He's been calling out the likes of Canelo and Triple G for a while. But at the current moment, doesn't look like those fights are going to happen. Definitely not in 2019. Last, The thing that's floating around now from what I've seen is Canelo Alvarez is intending to fight uh, Sergey Kovalev, who's a 175-pound WBA champion. I don't know how this discussion even came about. Um, this is just something I've seen floating around on social media. And I don't know the full validity of such, but we'll see. It seems to be picking up some type of uh, chatter. It seems to be picking up steam. Uh, and I'm guessing Canelo would move up to 175 or maybe he would meet somewhere in the middle of 168 or another catch weight. But I, I don't know the full details of that so definitely be on the lookout stay tuned for more as that kind of transpires and i don't know what uh triple g will do next he wa next he wants the canelo fight but i did see a report uh probably this past week saying that the talks had broken down so that makes things interesting we'll see um for jamal he's a, he definitely mentioned he's going to go back and talk with his team but 
I don't know exactly who he will end up facing next. You have other guys out there, the likes of Demetrius Andre, who I'll get to a little bit later on. And, yeah, it's just, you know, interesting things at 160. Uh, oh, and, and, you know, also thinking about it, um, Danny Jacobs, you know, that could be a fight for Charlo. He has the belt now. I'm sure Jacobs will want another chance at getting one of those belts, especially that WBC belt, which he – just tried to take from Canelo, so now whether uh, Charlo would take that fight, who knows? Um, I'm sure that they would have to go to the negotiation table and definitely pull out some things, but they're both managed by, or at least advised by Al Heyman to some degree, so that could be a doable fight. You know, just have to work out the promotional piece of it, or, or network piece of it as Jacobs is with the zone and, of course, uh, being part of uh, PBC, Charlo is with uh, Showtime and Fox or whatnot as they go through their thing. Uh, so, yeah, dominant victory for dominant, but somewhat ugly victory for Charlo. And he's still a player at 160, but we still need to see him in there with the top caliber guy at 160 to really make an assessment. Um, maybe Billy Joe Saunders at some point he could ultimately get with, even though I know Billy Joe, Joe Saunders fought at a higher weight in his last fight, but maybe that's a fight that could take place. Who knows? We will stay tuned. Also on that card, Erickson Lubin, who I had mentioned, um, he took on Zachariah Atu, and it was a fourth-round TKO for Erickson Lubin. He pretty much dominated the fight. Now Atu ended up tearing a bicep in the third round, and then some things transpired as far as Lubin's output, where he was basically teeing off on a two, and ultimately he was able to drop a two. And when he when a two uh, rose from the count, his corner threw in the towel there at the end of the third or whatnot. Um, so it ended up being a Pretty dominant win for Lubin. There was never any question as to who was going to win the fight based on what we saw and what transpired. Uh, Lubin looked pretty good, and he has looked good since he's come back from that loss to Jamel Charlo back in 2017. And he wants to be in there with the players at 154. I mentioned that Adamus guy, maybe he's not uh, high enough up the ranking for uh, Lubin, but. Lubin wants one of the top guys, so it'll be interesting to see where he goes from here as well. A lot of stuff can be definitely put together, and I think we're going to finish out with a strong year in 2019, and we've already started out pretty dang good. Now, um, I'll just move on away from that Showtime card to the zone. The zone, actually, um, it went down in Providence, Rhode Island. Now, I will say that I didn't see the Demetrius Andre uh, versus Masai Suleki. Uh, Sorry, but yeah, interesting names. Uh, but Suleki, um, I didn't see the fight or I hadn't, hadn't seen the fight as of yet because I was watching that Showtime card. But I do know that it was a dominant victory from reporting uh, for Andre. Now... Suleki, he is a very formidable fighter at 160 pounds. We've seen him in with the likes of Danny Jacobs. He dominated uh, Gabriel Rosado in his last fight. 
Um, so it was a good test for Andre, even though Andre wasn't able to get one of the bigger names. Now, him dominating him, maybe that means good things for him, him not knocking about. Who knows? That could uh, mean a certain thing for some. Either way, Andre picks up another win, and he looks to be the outlier at 160, looking to get in the mix, and hopefully he can get one of those top guys, the likes of Canelo, who he called out after the fight. Um, But I haven't seen the fight, as I mentioned, so I can provide more analysis on that as I continue to watch it, which I plan to do sometime here today. Um, Also, Khalid Yafai, he was able to pick up a win on this card, and from the reporting, I saw another dominant victory, so I'm sure that Hearn is going to try to get him in with one of the uh, another uh, top guy or get a shot at one of the belts. Um, we'll see, though. Uh, but anyway, that was pretty much it as far as what I wanted to report on those. Um, I will be back with you all, of course. Upcoming, the month of July is going to be pretty big. There are a lot of good fights. We're going to see Shakira Stevenson, Joe Joyce versus Brian Jennings, which I think is an interesting fight. Will be interesting. Now, Joyce is very much bigger than Jennings, but Jennings has shown in some fights or whatever that he, he's a very good boxer and he can put things together. So it'll be interesting. A good test for Joe Joyce. Uh, I don't know who I favorite that fight. I lean towards Jennings, to be honest with you, but we'll see how big Joyce's punch is. We got Rob Brent taking on Ryota Murata in the uh, rematch. I think it's the WBA middleweight championship um that should be good it's going to be in japan which is should be a pretty uh live uh, atmosphere well you know it, it all became so really but um when big moments happen during fight but they uh, kind of view it sort of in a with a theatrical like aspect uh it's, it's fairly quiet but when big moments uh, do happen they do kind of uh get excited for the most part uh, Teofimo Lopez is going to be fighting, as mentioned. Dillian White's going to be taking on Oscar Rivas. Rivas actually knocked out uh, Brian Jennings in his last fight out, so that should be a good fight. I favor Dillian White. Many people have been coming to the side of Rivas, but Rivas is a big guy. He, he does have power. Um, I think he's a slow starter, and he doesn't have a super high punch output, but the power can change anything, and I think Dillian White is on top of his game and hopefully he can get a title shot. There's some craziness surrounding WBC making Usyk the uh, mandatory challenger for uh, Deontay Wilder's title, which is crazy since Usyk hasn't even fought at heavyweight. And I love Usyk. But um, anyway, Dillian White versus Oscar Rivas. We're going to have the Pacquiao-Thurman pay-per-view. That should be a good one. Uh, I don't know who I favor in that fight. I think it's pretty much a toss-up in the, for the most part. If I had to go out on a limb, I would go with Manny Pacquiao, um, even at this stage. Uh, then the fight that I think will deliver in the most major way in the fight I'm most looking forward to in the month of July is Jose Carlos Ramirez taking on Maurice Hooker, 140-pound championships on the line. That should be a damn good fight. Anyway, I'm about to be out of here Thank you for tuning in. I appreciate you. 86 Boxing is the podcast. 86 Boxing, everything, you know, social media at 86 Boxing, the website. Be sure to check us out, 86boxing.com. You know, I got love for you. You want a button? You want stickers? All that good stuff? I got you. Just send me a message. I'm going to send you one. It's on me. Hit me up. All right. Thanks. The future will be amazing. And that's all well and good. 
But what about today? You can feel the rush of a 400 horsepower Nissan Z. Or climb to new heights in the all-terrain Nissan Frontier. Light up the road in the all-electric Nissan Aria that feels like a sci-fi dream come true. The future will be great, but today is made for thrill. All you have to do is get in a Nissan and drive. 2023 Aria and Z not yet available for purchase. Expected availability is this spring for 2023 Z and this fall for 2023 Aria. Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel anytime. Hi, it's Carl Deichler, CEO of Beachbody. And I'm giving away 10,000 free memberships a week to try our amazing Beachbody fitness and nutrition programs. Pick any program and just follow it step by step, like our 21-day fix program or the ab shredding muscle burns fat program. Plus, there's free support in personalized fitness groups with our community of over two. 2 million members. Now is the time, so don't wait. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great.